Hi, this is part five of the Tokyo Jazz Joint's Five Days in June series. We hope you enjoy it. So we we called the guy. We explained. Uh, I think we actually didn't just say we're coming because he just would have been like, "Who cares?" You know. Well, you see, <laughs> it, it looked much closer. We I'm just I'm just looking at the map now. You know, so from from Paragon, it's like two and three quarter hours. And I think probably we looked at it and thought, "Well, Kumamoto's just up there." Mm. And then whatever time we left Paragon, I mean, I've got Paragon outside at three thirty, so that gives you an idea. We basically had two and a half hours, and it was a two and three quarter hour journey. So yes, we were thinking oh no you know because it Jarrett looked good we had it on the schedule we thought yeah we'll do this no problem and then suddenly we realized how far it was it was like mm. no so yeah you, you called him what did he say he said fine yeah he said I'll, I'll wait for you guys it wasn't a problem Amazing. and you know yeah. I, I said look, look I'm really sorry because we're also in a car we're not from Q- well obviously <laughs> you know we're not from Kyushu we just yeah. flew down from Tokyo you know we got a little lost etc cetera, etc cetera. he said no 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 that's fine like I'll, I'll just keep it open you know I might clo- put the close sign <laughs> but still come in you know yeah. and so we showed up I believe it was uh, well you hey timestamp come on I, I, I'm the timestamp man I've mm. got it yeah 6.30 I've got so we we I think we dropped the car very nearby and then we just sort of pegged it to the place, yeah. Jarrett. So it was probably around 6.30. So it wasn't like we were, it wasn't like he was sitting there at like midnight waiting for yeah. us, you know, but um, we managed to make it. I, I don't even want to think about, I'm sure I was within the speed limit, but uh, anyway, we got there uh, and we uh, we found Jarrett. And uh, again, another beautiful place, don't you think? A beautiful little place in, in a sort of a strange building in a kind of mm. a, um, a courtyard. Mm. Um, again, for the 20th time on, on this series, we're definitely not in Tokyo because there's no very few buildings that would look like this. And uh, obviously a new, fairly new place, um, yeah. almost almost entirely CDs, uh, but with a, with a kick-ass sound system. I mean, he's he's another of these guys that's been profiled in uh, in one of the audio magazines here that that go around taking uh, pictures and doing you know articles about not just jazz spots but any music spots and their audio systems. So clearly he he knew what he was doing on that front. And an interesting background for this guy, Hodier San. He used to be a policeman. And obviously, you know, in his spare time, he collected a lot of music. I mean, he's got several thousand CDs just there, and he told me he had a lot more at home. Um, and most of the customers, though, maybe it had to do because it was a new place, maybe because of the location. He said that maybe only half or so were real big jazz fans, and that most of the people who came in otherwise just came in to have coffee, and the music was sort of incidental. So he had to lower the volume a little bit, which mm. always, you know, is kind of sad for me to hear. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunate, more breaking news, Philip, Cafe Jarrett has closed. Very sad to hear. Uh, um, what a shame. Reasons, it's interesting. Reasons I mean, unknown. Um, it's, it's, quite, it's quite strange because he used to have a very um, comprehensive website. Uh, but when I was looking for it, it wasn't up anymore. So I checked some of the usual Japanese sources, couldn't find anything. Um, all I could find was that it closed in December 2018. So literally just six wow. months after we visited. Um, I guess it was just too new and couldn't get a regular customer base. I mean, we've seen that with a few other places like Cafe Ellington here in uh, in Tokyo or Big Mama, Fat Mama. So maybe it was something like that. I mean, it's interesting because actually if you... 
zoom in on that huge wall of CDs. I don't remember any vinyl at all, actually. What I do remember um, that you, you don't see in these photographs, it was very difficult to photograph. I must see if I can hunt one out uh, and re-edit it. But um, on the wall just to the left there, if you're looking at the photograph of the CD uh, collection, there was actually um, a, a beautiful sound system, but also mm. he had like a, a television linked up to sort of music streaming um, websites so, or, mm. or uh, platforms. So you, he was playing music on that TV TV, like through the sound system but what's interesting about the CD wall is there that if you zoom in you can see that he's actually selling them for 500 yen so I wonder if you know even at that point he kind of the writing was maybe on the wall uh, if you excuse the pun probably because, was yeah you know. I didn't I didn't even think about that but that that makes perfect sense and you know I mean if he was retired maybe he put a lot of money into the cafe I, yeah. I hope he didn't take too much of a beating on it but um, it would be interesting to know you know, look, we've been to enough places and we've talked to enough of these owners. Um, these sound systems often take them, you know, a couple years to put together because they're so expensive. Yeah. And not even just the expense. It's not something that you can just pick up and put into your small Japanese house unless you have a very accommodating spouse. So what would you do with that? Now, I, I imagine you could sell that to some audiophile I'm for sure, quite yeah. a bit of money. But I mean, what a shame that would be, you know? Yeah, I mean, also that that mad collection again. Just the 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 sort of minutiae of these places. There's always other little interests, and it goes back to that thing about uh, you know that obsessiveness and that sort of collector's mentality mm. that we see a lot in Japan. You know that huge collection of the decal cars along the top of the CD wall as well. Love this. I yeah, would embarrass myself by trying to identify any of them, but uh, yeah. you know, again, gorgeous place, and uh, what a shame. Yeah, I mean, the little courtyard. You can't quite see it in the photographs, but just the little details. I mean, this beautiful uh, welcome mat with the cat on it and Jarrett. Uh, you know, the table outside, and mm. then just behind where I photographed that from, there was this kind of like a fountain type feature, you know, that sort of um, drew focus into the center of that courtyard. And then there were other shops and businesses around it. And uh, what a shame it's gone. But uh, again, just a reminder that uh, it's worth going to these places while you, while you still can. And again, it's great that uh, we were able to just capture Jarrett as it was uh, before it closed. Uh, and it's not uh, surprising to hear, I suppose, that it's gone. Perhaps it's, it's one of the ones that was less likely to close as far as we were concerned. But yeah, mm. uh, I wonder also what happened to that beautiful window. You know, he has this really uh, interesting um, silhouette of the trees painted on mm. the glass of the window, which again well, is not something we've the, seen. What uh, about the that that bust of Beethoven up above the bar? I mean, what's that doing yeah. there? That's right. That is Beethoven, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or, is, or am I mistaken? <laughs> I don't else? think that's Beethoven. I no. mean, it looks more. If anything, it's closer. I would say to Bowie, but it's not Bowie. But I would say that that's a leather jacket. That's not a seventeenth, uh, an eighteenth century <laughs> ruffle. Sure, or jacket. I yeah. Thought, okay. Any okay. anyone who wants Maybe to really embarrass us, you can uh, troll us on social well, media with who it, that it actually could be, is. It could be 1977 Sting, like dressed as Beethoven for. Maybe, yeah, maybe there, that's there, the look there's of the definitely bus, a but, glam rock feel to it. I, I don't uh, think Beethoven would have got away with that okay. with that sort of jacket, but mm. you know, I may be wrong. <laughs> I I actually feel like we asked him about it, but clearly we've forgotten. So. Mm. Oh, anyway. well, you know, sayonara to Jarrett. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy we got there, and it's always it's always sad. And it, it's interesting because, you know, it was a new place, didn't really last that long. And then the next place we went to, right in the, right in the middle of Kumoto City, has been around for a much longer time. And I would say um, 
it is in the running for one of the nicest, just purely beautiful interiors of any joint that we've been to. And, and it's a place called Jazz in Okura, uh, owned by Ogura-san, the master. Um, it's been open for about 45 years, I believe. And, uh, you know, I think right away you know that something special is going to be there because look at, the, look at the front door and you happen to get him through the left window there, which is fantastic. I didn't remember that he popped up in this picture, but that front door is just beautiful. It says Jazz Okura and it's got, it's got the lion uh, knocker on it. Um, obviously real wood. And then, you know, you walk into the place and it just, it just immediately doesn't feel like, like a lot of other jazz joints. It's, um, it's kind of a combination of like a, a an antique shop. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, what would you say, like a cabin, a log cabin? I mean, look at the wood in this place. Yeah. I mean, this place was just stunning. I mean, I think what we had done after Jarrett, if I'm not mistaken, is we'd gone to the hotel, which, uh, was the, um, ostentation ostentatiously named Nest Hotel Kumamoto. I think we nested in separate rooms, did we? Um, that goes without saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't the, it wasn't I, the night before, but anyway. Uh, I, I um, certainly, yeah, so. yeah, well, yes, after that, uh, yeah, yeah, not at my age, no. There's no room sharing going on. And, I, you know, I don't have any memory of the Nest Hotel. I don't I either. Do I'm just looking at the memory. website. Well, the, because I remember very much the, 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 <laughs> the last hotel we stayed at, which we'll get to on the next episode, but uh, for much worse reasons. But, yeah, I don't, I, I think because we dropped the bags, maybe didn't even spend a minute in the rooms, and just went back out, came back late and slept. So I mean, it looks lovely. No it's there. listed on Google Maps as a casual hotel. Uh, there's a couple of lovely looking ladies uh, at the uh, reception desk, uh, smiling as they take some calls from customers uh, on the on the homepage. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks decent. It's described uh, by customers as neat, efficient, smiling and tasteful. So it I mean, it clearly didn't have much of an impression on us, but uh, I think <laughs> in some cases on this trip, you know, we were just, our heads were spinning because we were seeing and doing so much yeah. in and a also, this short was space the, you of know, time. This was the first time for me to visit Kumamoto City. And um, me too, yeah. it, it's funny because, you know, this was only uh, a short while, I believe it was, uh, was it a year after uh, that Kumamoto had, had a pretty serious earthquake? That's right, yeah. And um, you could still see around town uh, quite a lot of evidence of uh, buildings that were you know having to be reconstructed or repaired um the picture you have here of the outside the sign of okura on the right side of the street you can see some scaffolding i don't know whether that was for a building that you know suffered damage or that was just regular construction going on but you definitely saw it all around the city the evidence of the of the last earthquake was still there um yeah. thankfully okura you know was was not damaged and um you know it's it's funny because it doesn't look like a place that would have a lot of live music in it. And yet it's pretty well known uh, for the gigs that it hosts. I know several um, musicians up here in the Tokyo metro area who, when they go down to Kyushu, always make it uh, you know, one of their regular spots. Uh, so I think he might clear out some of the tables like where we were sitting on the left side. You got a picture of the right side of the place, which is the mm. bar, bar counter. Um, so, you know, you could probably fit in. You know, again, it's not a Tokyo place. It's bigger than it appears in the photos here. You could get a good 30 to 40 people in there easily. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but probably put some live gigs on. He still lists them on his website or he was uh, pre-COVID. Um, but I mean, the real appeal of the joint is just, is just all that gorgeous wood, all the things that are laying around, including that Sonny Rollins poster of his gig to Kyushu, 
where he is done up in ukiyo-e style, which is Japanese-style painting from the Edo period. Uh, so he, you see him there, sunny as a samurai. Uh, that, I mean, we had not seen this poster before, had we? And no. since then, I've seen it two or three more times. But that first time seeing it, I just thought, wow. That's, don't know how that would play today, actually. Some people might not dig that. but It's, it's a fair point. Um, I think, you know, for me, this place is the 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 really iconic counterculture jazz place you know and if you were to transplant this to 60 shinjuku uh, it would not look out of place you know it has that feel you know with the paintings and there's this really interesting kind of newspaper collage with with miles on it and and then varnished and and displayed i think some of the stuff was either well, it was certainly artworks all over the wall. I don't even know if some of them were for, for sale. There's also that really, really interesting jazz map, uh, which unfortunately you can't see in too much detail on the photograph, but this kind of family tree of jazz, which again, um, I mean, what you wouldn't give to get your hands on that. I mean, mm. just incredible, incredible well, I, uh, I mean, bit of memorabilia. Actually, I, I was much more intrigued and I don't think we talked about it that day. Um, this this picture you have where it, it's this I, I, I don't I literally don't know what it is it's got a trumpet on it he's got this little square I would assume that's a square box of matches with the Sidewinder Lee Morgan's a Sidewinder album cover you get some ashtrays there okay but what is the round thing behind it and there's a oh plug God. there was this was this some sort of an instrument or is it a sign I, I'm really perplexed by this what what actually is this thing yeah, I don't know. If anyone's listening and they do <laughs> know what that doesn't it look like stone? Is. It looks like a big round yeah, it stone. Does, yeah. And it's I, got I, the Maneki Neko cat on top, the little jazz figurine. He's got a cat on top of the trumpet, a couple of cats on top of the trumpets. And then he's got like what looks like salt next to it. Uh, and then he's got the Guinness sign. I mean, it's just a, a mix of things that are really inexplicable. Yeah, and also that beautiful, beautiful old uh, coffee grinder, bean grinder in the in the back. Uh, oh, right. right side yes. of that I photograph that. too. Yes. So, but but even little things, you know, well, I say little things, actually enormous things, but look at the bench, um, you know, uh, carved out of a tree trunk. I mean, mm. it mm-hmm. just had this unbelievable uh, feel to it. And then this kind of really odd sort of almost medieval uh, pub style, um, um, what do you call them? Roof, uh, what's, what's the thing? <laughs> What do you call those Beams? things on a roof? Beams. 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 That's the thing. That, yes. that wasn't as. That shouldn't have been so hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, if it was Japanese, I couldn't remember. That would make sense. But that was literally my own language. Uh, yeah, those 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 kind of roof beams, and it had this really, you know, you could have almost switched out the interior and made it a sort of like a, a an oldie worldy English pub type. Feel yes, to it. Like it was yes. Really yeah, order, order a pint of mead from the bar. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, totally. I mean, Okra well, was I it. think I, I think actually though that you know um, you know now that we're we're going a little deeper uh, into our travels and talking about places very far from the Kanto area, the Tokyo metro area, you know Japan has more diversity than most foreign visitors ever know. It's certainly more diverse than than we knew when we first came here, and that goes for things such as food. 
um, you know, mannerisms, uh, culture, but even down to things like structures, buildings, architecture. And I noticed that in Kyushu, there's definitely a lot more woodwork. I don't know if there's mm. special types of trees. Or what I, I didn't look into it that much. But just like we saw that there were certain types of buildings up in Hokkaido, um, we noticed that there was a lot more difference in, in the physical shape of these structures down in Kyushu. And it'd be interesting to ask, because like you said, yeah, that, that bench is clearly one piece of wood you know somebody yeah, would have yeah. carved that out um and sold it or installed it when this building was open probably even before he turned it into a jazz bar i would guess yeah it's great i love it i mean mm. also the sign outside i mean i'm a bit of a coffee geek but you know it, it just that reminder that this whole single origin beans being roasted and ground and mm. making your coffee this thing this has been going in japan for decades this is not oh, like yeah. a new hipster thing this is like how people drank coffee you know this is just the way it was and uh, yeah. you see it in all the places that you go but uh, that that grinder and the sign outside of course is a reminder of that what what probably you don't remember james and it, it'd be strange if you didn't because you spend so much time in it but uh, the toilet i don't know if you it's not pictured here but i'll post it on the social media feed um I, it's hard to know how to explain what i'm looking at on my phone at the moment is basically like the kind of um, portable toilet that i remember from a kid in a caravan um, and it's built into the floor, and then the entire rest of the bathroom is bright red tiles. Do you remember that? You know, unbelievably, I think I didn't go to the bathroom at Oakwood what? because that does, does not. I mean, this uh, unbelievable. The one time I don't need to go after a beer, and it's and it's it's covered in red tiles. It sounds like the Shining well, luckily, or something. Sounds incredible. I, have I, I don't remember it, you yeah. even saying anything. You got pictures. I've got one picture, so um, I'll, okay. I'll make sure I post that just to prove that it's real. Uh, by this time, it was 20 past seven. And again, we'd been up pretty early because I think we headed over to uh, Sakurajima, like early doors. So it, it's already at this point been a long day, but it was nice because we I, I remember thinking as we arrived to Okura that we could sort of relax. The car was parked. You could have a drink, just enjoy the places that we um, that we had planned to see. Uh, and of course, we're day three in now. So, you know, the, the tiredness was maybe starting to kick in a little bit. Mm. So we had one more place uh, to go uh, that evening. Um, and again, this was a little bit of a, a gamble because we weren't sure what we were going to find with this place. I do remember distinctly that we took a tram to it with a wooden floor. <laughs> do you remember yes, that? that's right. Like a we took, full wooden we floor. We took the city floorboards. tram. It was one of those, you know, so yeah, Kumamoto is one of those cities like um, Hiroshima, uh, like Hakodate that, that still has a, a very functioning, extensive um, streetcar system. And so we hopped on it and it was pretty far. I mean, it was it was definitely not walkable um, on a more of an outer ring neighborhood. And um, yet again, uh, wanted to add to the list of places where you can hear jazz in Japan that you would never hear anyone else. So the first sign, um, you know, we got to explain that for our non-Japanese reading Listeners, so the place is called Jazz Kappa, and um, so you can see this sort of like star there. It says jazz, and underneath it, it says Sakaba, which means literally alcohol place, um, and the name to the right, Kappa. 
And what they serve is written above in, in Chinese characters. And it's kushiaki, so it's like fried things on sticks. And then uh, kisetsurori, so seasonal foods, you know. So basically, it's it's a izakaya, what, what is uh, uh, known as a Japanese tavern where people go to eat and drink. But it's not really, you know, deluxe cuisine. It's more of a drinking spot. Uh, but most Japanese always eat when they're drinking. So these izakaya are literally everywhere. And there are a lot of izakaya that do play jazz, but they don't advertise themselves as such. Mm. This one very clearly in a lot of different things we saw online, looking around, you know, the Kyushu sites. Remember, I think you, you showed it to me and I was like, well, I've never heard of it clearly, but, you know, kushiaki and jazz, that sounds great. Um, yep. I assumed it would just be a place like that maybe was pumping in some jazz on Yusen or, you know, uh, some sort of digital radio or something. Uh, but no, it's it's actually, I mean, as soon as we walked in, look, they've got the huge JBL flag on the wall, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and they've got like hardcore records up on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it and, and even, even behind the seats, I mean, look at the records that are there. These are, these are some serious records. You've got Sonny Stitt there. You've got Bill Evans. I mean, you know, Booker Irvin. You've got, of course, the classic Dolphy at the Five Spot, which is an album you'll see in almost any Japanese jazz bar. Um, what was unfortunate was the owner was not there because it was Sunday night. Do you remember I asked one of the ladies, uh, you got a picture that was run by about three or four ladies in the kitchen, and they were most certainly bemused when we came in and even more bemused when we started speaking Japanese because this is this is not a place that gets many foreign tourists at all. Yeah. Um, and when we asked, I asked them about the records and, you know, you know, whose are they? Are they yours as an owner? She said, oh, you know, the owner's not here tonight. He just came in earlier, but he's gone for the days. And, and I don't really know much about it. We just play some of the music, but the, it, the collection is all his. So, you know, we assume that it was just a, a, a random izakaya, a guy that, you know, owned the shop, but, but decided to bring his jazz collection in there. And it was wonderful. Yeah, and you could probably make a lot more money from what he's doing there than just a regular jazz kisa. But um, yeah. what you can't see in the pictures because there was a couple of people eating it. I don't know if you remember, it had this slightly, it had this little odd um, kind of alcove area upstairs and just below that, right down at the far end of the wall, the opposite end of the wall from where you can see the picture with the trumpet was, uh, was the speakers. And uh, there's a couple down there having a meal. So I must dig through uh, my uh, files and see if I can find... Uh, a picture of that. I think I did maybe snap one. I must see if I can uh, find that and put it up as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, they were really tickled, I think, by the whole just because it, it, the fact that we took that tram to, I have this sense that it was a little bit further out of like the central area of, of Kumamoto. So again, I suspect that if anybody was turning up, any foreigners were turning up there, it was more likely to be people that they either knew or certainly people who lived there uh, and were local rather than sort of tourists. And uh, they just seemed to find the whole thing quite sort of amusing, really. I remember <laughs> going outside and photographing back in through that window that you can see that uh, photograph where it says, you know, um, business hours are open or you know we're doing business at the moment and um mm. they they just were sort of giggling and laughing and just thinking how weird like someone's photographing a kushiyaki joint <laughs> but yeah yeah for I us think it I, was like a total i mean it was like i mean we haven't experienced anywhere like this that's actually mo- basically a restaurant but but jazz right yeah yeah i think that they were they, <laughs> they exactly i mean because there are places that you know like this where we've been in and noticed like oh yeah they're playing some they're playing a groovy record here 
you know, um, but not really so explicitly like this. I mean, this was clearly like designed as a jazz izakaya. And I mean, I would definitely, if I'm in Kumamoto again, I would certainly, because, you know, the second time you go back, it'll be easier. You know what to order, you know what the vibe will be. So um, just another one of these unique um, situations that's really only in Japan, you know. Do you remember, though, on the way back, we stopped at a place that was a, a music bar, kind of a music DJ bar slash record store? Oh, was that the place? Was that that yeah. night? Yeah, that was that oh, night. You know, yeah, yeah I do. So, so, so friends of ours up here in Tokyo had uh, connections to the, to that joint, doing some DJ gigs and records and whatever, and so told us to stop by. And we went upstairs, and and we just it was kind of it was interesting time when we got there because it was a Sunday. The the event ended uh, maybe around ten. And it was a, it was kind of like a hip hop event, so there were a lot of young hip hop dudes there. And then the owner and his pals, who were probably a bit closer to our age, and uh, I went up and introduced uh, introduced myself, said that you know who had sent me, and they immediately had gave us a warm welcome. And I think we ended up having two or three drinks with them, which by that point of the day and our exhaustion level wasn't a very good idea, and it was quite a quite a stumble home. Um, but you know, it was interesting to go from from these varied, you know, a very old jazz joint to the jazz izakaya, but then right back to like a very contemporary style, you know, you know, DJ vinyl bar, which again only tend to exist in Japan. Um, I think a lot of our listeners will probably know that these kinds of bars where you have huge record collections and a couple decks, and you'll have a DJ in there, but it's not a club. So people are sitting and listening. Nobody's standing up dancing. And yeah. this one actually had a record store in it as well. Yeah, I remember. So I mean, not not to embarrass you, but I remember this is probably the worst I'd seen you because you something was really went weirdly wrong, and I was like, it was like you didn't quite know what we were doing at one point. I was like, <laughs> are, are you okay? like? I I was like, is he okay? Like, and then I wandered off to have a look at the records, and I remember really, really toying with the idea of buying some because they for about a hundred, hundred and fifty euros, I think. Um, they had an entire collection of like Calypso seven inches, and I remember really like thinking, "Will I buy these?" And then the whole implications of the cost and having to bring them home and the carry them around this trip and all that sort of stuff. And in the end, I decided not to. But then when I came back to the table, I remember just like I I, I can't quite explain it, but I remember thinking, "Is he all right?" And then we, I kind of sort of had to usher you out in the end, and we 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 headed back to Nest for the evening, and that was the end of day three, wasn't it? Well, I I remember enough that it was a very steep uh, trip down the steps um, from from this joint, and and uh, yeah, you know because because we you know we were getting friendly with the owner, I think like we might have had like a, a free beer or two that that came pretty quickly, you know, I think they were just pouring us draft beer. And um, clearly went above the limit of, of tolerance and exhaustion. Yeah, so that was, but um, that was a, that was a great end to the to the third day. And then yeah, as you said, back to back to nest uh, to wake up on uh, Monday morning for day four. This podcast was produced and created by Philip Arneal and James Catchpole of the Tokyo Jazz Joints Project. Thanks to Brian of Grooves Ahead for audio assistance and also to Louis Elastic for our theme music. <laughs>